is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups, and my guest today is Chris Daly. Chris, thanks for joining us all the way from Utah. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited. It's good to have you with us. So kind of unpack a little bit. Who is Chris Daly? Well, um, I, I'm kind of an unlikely, my, my story is an unlikely story. I, um, I I grew up in Arizona in the Phoenix Valley, and uh, and growing up, I was talking to my mom the other day, um, just about how my career has progressed. And she said, out of all the kids in our family, you're the one I, I thought least likely to succeed in life <laughs> because, uh, Thanks, I was Mom. just, no, 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 but I get what she's saying. I mean, growing up, I was, a I was a video game geek that didn't really do much. I had no interest in school, um, no interest in, in a lot of things. And, uh, and so, I didn't really find my my passion, my professional passion, uh, until you know I was in my early 20s, um, and my first real job that I got was actually selling. Um, I, I got a sales position at a company that was selling search engine optimization, selling and fulfilling it, yeah. and it was really interesting to me. You know, I I use Google every day and search engine optimization is all about getting your website to rank on Google. And I thought, wow, I had no idea how much was going on behind the scenes when I searched for something on Google. Um, So I got really interested. I ended up applying for an internal position at the company that I was at and got it and spent the next couple years doing search engine optimization, uh, both in-house and and in an agency type setting. and you know, search engine optimization is all about driving traffic to your website, sure. all about getting people to find you online. Um, and and I loved it, but I I encountered a, a barrier, um, you know, about a couple years into into doing search engine optimization. Um, I sat down in a like annual performance review with the CEO and some other people. And I was reviewing how much success we were having on Google. Hey, we tripled our organic traffic mm. in a nine-month period, you know, all these great metrics. And then they started to dig a little bit deeper and said, okay, so what? Okay, so we tripled our organic traffic. What did that do for revenue? And I had no idea. You said, that's not my job. I'm just the SEO guy. <laughs> right. I just get traffic to the site. But yeah, I should have been thinking about that stuff. But um, So we started to dig in, find out what's happening with all this traffic, come mm. to find out. Most of the traffic wasn't converting. Nothing was happening. Mm. And that's very discouraging for somebody that spent a lot of time getting people to the site. Sure. So I started trying to figure out, well, why? Why is this happening? Why is nobody converting? Nobody could answer that question for me at the company I was at. And so I took to my trusty friend Google and discovered <laughs> the idea of conversion rate optimization um, or, or running A-B tests to figure out if people – like one experience over another. Right. Um, and so that's kind of how I discovered the career that I'm in. Um, you know, I ended up starting a company a couple of years after getting into the industry. Um, and, uh, and the rest is history from there. But like I said, I mean, it was, it's kind of an unlikely, um, tale of, of a guy starting a company from, uh, you know, from being a lazy high school bum. <laughs> so, so how did you get from video game to SEO? I mean, what was kind of the trigger? Are you walking down the street and some guy walks out the front of the building and says, "Hey, I, you look like a like a candidate. Come on in and apply for the job." I mean, how did <laughs> how did that uh, how did that even get on your radar? Yeah, so it's actually an interesting um, 
experience, I was at a cousin's house of mine and one of their cousins was there. So somebody that I'm not like technically related to, I don't know what that's called, a second cousin or something, but somebody that I had never seen before. Um, I was unemployed at the time. Mm -hmm. I take that back. I had been working at a, at a (laughs) commission only sales job for two months, hadn't made a single sale. So didn't make a dime (laughs) off of that job. Um, and I was like, this sucks. I need to find something else. <laughs> so, um, anyways, the, the, this second cousin of mine who I literally have never seen since, but she told me about the company she was working at, um, which was this agency that, mm-hmm. that did search engine optimization. And I wasn't actually interested in SEO at all. I just thought, oh, it's a sales job and it pays. And so I'll apply. And so it, it again, it was a, uh, it was one of those serendipitous experiences where yeah. right place at the right time, there was somebody there that, that introduced me to a, um, a job that I didn't even know anything about, but it turned out uh, it snowballed and, and led me into the career that I'm in today. And so I'm very grateful. I probably ought to send um, you know, some kind of a gift bag to, to that second cousin of mine go. at I mean, some you, point. You never know that you- – how serendipity comes into play. I mean, you're just you're literally just walking down the street and boom, there, you know, there was that opportunity. So, so once you kind of made that transition out of that, uh, you know, that high paying career field you were in before <laughs> the, the full commission sales with no sales. So once you got in, I mean, was it almost like immediately you thought, wow, this is, this is something that I'm good at. This is something that I, I really, you know, have taken to quickly or, was it? Was there kind of a steep learning curve? I mean, there well, was a steep learning curve. In fact, I remember um, because doing SEO really well. Uh, there's a lot of te- technical skills and background that I did not right, have. Right. Um, and so, um, however, what what ended up driving me, and this is where, you know, going from lazy video game couch dude to um, you know somewhat successful SEO guy. Um, it, it started with just a spark of interest. And I think that's, right. you know, as I look back on my life, I don't think that, um, I don't think I was lazy um, because I had no ambition. Mm-hmm. Now, you could argue that I didn't have any ambition at that point. I just hadn't found anything that right. really had sparked my interest and my passion. You know, I went to school, hated school. Um, and at this time, the time that I that I got into SEO, I was actually going to college Um for business management, and I was an awful college student as well. I was, mm. you know, getting C's and D's, and um, you know, my parents were really concerned, <laughs> um, and uh, and I ended up dropping out of college. And and you know, my my dad is a pretty traditional, um, had a very traditional upbringing. You know, he went to college, got um, got a degree, went and worked for a company for 25 years, yeah. and worked his way up the ladder, and so. Um, when I dropped out of college, I think that was very concerning for both of my parents of going like, oh my gosh, he's throwing his life away. Mm. <laughs> but it, ultimately, once I found that spark of something that was very interesting to me, I was willing to invest right. a lot of time and effort into learning it, um, even though there was a very steep learning curve. And it and it did take, I think, probably at least a year for me to feel like I had any any kind of real skills in that area. And that's kind of the the typical like almost millennial journey, you know that that sure. uh, and and boomers like myself. I see. I'm I'm a I'm a millennial in a boomer suit, so <laughs> I mean, there's I'm a little bit of a of a hybrid misfit. So I I understand that 
that journey completely. But there's a lot of us in, in this in the boomer range that don't understand that at all, and it drives them crazy. But yeah. it really is kind of the just kind of the basic ingredient of an entrepreneur. Yes, you know this idea of you know kind of exploration and testing and. Um, you mentioned something just a minute ago about A-B testing, and I, I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball here with the questions because I was listening to a to a, an interview that you had done, I think maybe as a Facebook Live um, that was online, and you mentioned something about this A-B test where the A and the B weren't connected, or um, I, I can't remember exactly what the context was, but, but maybe it's like your first A-B test that, that you were trying to run, and and you were like, I don't remember exactly what the context was, but do you, is that something that you, you can recall a little bit or that, that you don't any, have any idea what I'm talking about? Well, um, I, I, and I'm, I'm not 100% sure if this is the same instance, but I, I will share. So the first A-B test that I ran, this is while I was still doing SEO, I was trying to figure out just how do I, how do I, um, how do I figure out how to convert this traffic? Uh-huh. So, of course, I, I had no clue what I was doing. I had never <laughs> run an A-B test before, um, and nobody at the company that I was at had ever done it either. And so, or even heard of it, for that matter. Or, or heard of it, yeah. <laughs> right. and, and so I, I built my first test. So I actually used a tool called Unbounce. It's a landing page tool. So I kind of I kind of hacked this tool. It's normally just to like build out and test landing pages, but I thought, hey, I bet I could test a page on our site using this tool too. So I took one of the pages that uh, one of our designers who ha who was very proud of his design, by the way. It spent a lot of time designing this very nice, beautiful page. And I tested an unbounced landing page template against this page, this other page. Um, of course, I tweaked the copy. I sort of tweaked <laughs> the design, but I wasn't a designer. So the page looked awful. Uh, and our, when our designer saw it, he hated it and forbid me from running the test. <laughs> Even if that test wins, we're not putting that on the site. Um, and so I thought, well, I don't care. I'm just let's just see what happens. So I ran the test and ended up winning. Um, and and that is actually what that test alone um, intrigued me so much that that's what led to me leaving. Uh, my career in the SEO field and, and transitioning into what I do now, which is conversion rate optimization, because I looked at these two these two pages and thought, why would this work? Mm. Like, it doesn't look better. I clearly have no clue what I'm doing. Why did this work? What well, what was it about this new page that was more appealing to to visitors? And honestly, that is the question that has driven me to this day. Um, one of the things that that gets me excited in the morning to get up, right, is what what is what am I going to find today? What what is going to be surprising right. to me today? Um, you know, human behavior is just so fascinating because there's there's not any hard fast rules that you can rely on. Sure. Um, and so it's it's it was a very surprising test for me and and catapulted me into a, a another a journey change. Yeah. Let, let me ask you that that. That sparks a question about A/B testing. So I understand the basic premise of A/B testing, where you're you're literally just, you know, looking at your audience and asking them, you know, preferences and and does one is one more clear than the other? Does one speak, you know, to you for from an emotional standpoint, whatever the whatever the preference is? But how do you then reverse engineer on the backside that says, well, why did they choose that? Yeah. So what's the what's the I guess the back end feedback or insights? How do you gather that information? I mean, 
Is that also part of the test? It's which one do you prefer and why? I mean, yeah. So that's a that's a great question. Um, so I'll, I'll I'll take a step back and 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 talk about how I how I discovered how to run a really effective test because the problem with my first test that I ran so it worked. But I changed so many things on the page all mm -hmm. at once. Yeah. So, you know, I was testing a completely different design against a completely different design. And when you have two completely different designs, it's basically impossible to, to determine right. why did this work, right? Now, the fact that it worked better said there's something in there that sure. users like better, but it's impossible to tell why. And so, um, one of, you know, I've developed a process over the last six years just by running a lot of tests uh, that kind of helps me distill down a test into specific actionable takeaways. And so the way that I do that is we every every test that I run now starts with a business question. So I don't actually start with like here's what the new page is going to look like. I start uh -huh. with a question that I would like to answer. And so that question might be something like. Um, what headline will resonate best with people? We'll just take a very basic test concept. What headline will resonate best with people? That's the question. Then we, we dive into a hypothesis. Okay, we wanna figure out just the headline. So we're isolating one specific thing on the page, mm -hmm. which helps us to cancel out a lot of noise. Because when right. you're changing a whole design, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot yep. of things that are happening and not everything is gonna be influencing people. So if we focus on one isolated element, headline alone, um, then we ask, what can we change here on this headline that might influence people? So I might have a hypothesis that, um, well, our headline right now says, um, you know, I'll, I'll take I'll take uh, disruptive advertising as as an example. Our headline right now says something like um, uh, the most innovative marketing on the planet, <laughs> right? Let's right. say that we have a headline that says something like that. Then my hypothesis might be, well, that's just marketing fluff. That doesn't say anything about what right. we actually do. So let's test a headline where we say what we do. You know, uh, managing PPC and and conversion rate optimization services for businesses. Well, that's kind of boring. So now let's create another version. Um, let's create another version that kind of mixes some marketing fluff and and uh, some specifics yep. of what we do. So we say the most innovative PPC and conversion rate optimization services on the planet. Um, right. And so what, what we're doing here is we're taking some different approaches. This mm -hmm. is what most businesses do not do. Um, and, and why I think that, um, a lot of companies struggle when it comes to their website is when most companies think about their website design, it's just this thing out there that somebody's going to make look nice for me. Right. So when most companies approach their website design, they go, They'll either say, let's hire a great designer or a great design agency that will design something that looks nice for me. Yep. And then they launch it. And if it works, then great. If it doesn't work, then I guess we need to redesign the whole thing right. again. Um, or companies will go and say, let's find our biggest competitor because whatever they're doing must be working and let's just copy them. Sure. Um, the path of least so, resistance. Yeah, right. It's, <clears throat> and, it's, and it's a very easy approach to take and – Frankly, I mean, it's not the worst approach to take for mm -hmm. um, for creating a new website, but the challenge is, again, like you said, if it works, you have no clue why. Right. Like, why did it work? I don't know, because yeah. our competitors did it and it worked. Right. Um, why did it work? Well, because it looked nice, obviously. Mm -hmm. But there's no specific takeaways, and so that's why going back to this concept of 
A-B testing with a business question in mind. We want to learn one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, this can help you understand your audience. And so if I run these two different headline tests, you know, my original headline is marketing fluff. My B version is very dry, basic um, description of what we do. Right. And version C is um, marketing fluff and, and right. you know, uh, and, and ex- explanation combined. If version B wins, the one that's just dry, basic, boring um, explanation, I've just learned something about my audience. Yep. I've just learned they don't like the marketing fluff. Yep. They want just a to-the-point explanation because they don't want to have to figure out um, – they don't want to have to read between the lines, for but example. That's only, that's only true if you kind of have a control group or a – I guess a, a – um, a credible base of of audience or whatever. So as you're doing these tests, how do you, how do you kind of control that group that says, okay, A, B, and C all got the same fair viewing at the same time, same length of time, same time of year, that type of thing versus, I mean, because, because we know all those things come into play will will be a variant in, in, you know, web traffic or whatever. Yes. Um, So how do you, are they run simultaneously or are they run like consecutively or how does yeah, that Yeah, great question. Happen? Great question. So, I'll, uh, so again, I'll tell you first what most businesses do that does not actually work. But what, but when I ask companies like, have you ever done AB testing? Almost all, almost always people will say, yeah, I've done AB testing before. And I'll say, well, tell me about it. What test did you run? Well, we redesigned our whole site and we launched our site on a Monday and we compared our conversion rates to the previous Monday and they went up, so the new yeah. site worked. Yeah. <laughs> and like you said, that does not hold true because there's so many factors at play mm. this Monday versus last Monday. Yeah. Like you had mentioned, you're you're just about to get hit with a hurricane, yeah. right? So um, all of North and South Carolina are, uh, you know, or, or maybe not all of them, but a lot of people are being evacuated from their homes, taking all shelter. Right. So guess what? A lot of people are not going into work today. Guess what else? A lot of people probably are not going to be shopping today. Or maybe maybe a lot of people will be shopping because they're stuck at some high school taking shelter and they want to get on their phone and just do and something. That's all I've got is their themselves. phone. That's right. Right. And so maybe my conversion rates go way up today, but maybe it's not because I have a new website. Maybe yeah. it's because a hurricane is hitting and a lot of my customers are from North and South Carolina and people are just on their yeah. phones more than more than usual. So what we do, so that's the approach that doesn't work, and a lot of businesses do that, and it, and it doesn't work because there's just too many factors at play. Yeah. What we do is, you, you mentioned, do we run them simultaneously? Yes. So we use uh, testing software. There's a lot of A-B testing software out there. Uh, VWO is the one that we use most often, Visual Website Optimizer. There's things like Optimizely. Adobe has a tool called Target. Google mm-hmm. actually has a free tool called Google Optimize you can use. And what these tools do is they allow you to say, okay, our, our control is our existing site. Now let's create a duplicate of our control of our existing website, mm-hmm. and then let's change something. So let's right. change the headline. We can create as many of those duplicates as we want. And then what the tool does is it will say when somebody comes to our home page – we will randomly show them one of the three experiences that there are. So they'll either get our existing site or they'll get one of the other two. And so that allows us to get a random sampling of the population, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, So that we're not picking and saying, hey, we'll show show our best demographic 
our test version and show our worst demographic, our, our existing site. So yeah. we can control the outcome. Right. Yeah. Um, I know which one just, I want to win. So I'm yeah, right. Let's just show position. that one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's totally random. And then we're going to run this over a period of time. And I always run tests in periods of a week at a time. So mm. Monday to a Monday, or if it's two to three weeks that we're going to take, we're going to go Monday through, you know, two weeks, uh, the, the following Monday so that we're getting, an entire week sampling in there because that's another thing that businesses will do is they'll take a business week Monday through Friday and call a test on a Friday. But the challenge with that again is your weekend traffic is probably going to behave very differently. Yeah, exactly. um, People aren't at work or whatever, you know, people behave differently at work. So great question. That's a super important part of AB testing. And I like the idea you, you touched on and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it almost seems like that it's, not only do you have to control the group, you've got to control the number of variables you change. So if you just change one thing at a time, like one, there's one variable that you're changing, it's a lot easier to measure than if you, like you said, if you completely change the page and, and you, okay, people like the new page versus the old page, but why? What is it yeah. about the new page? I have no idea because it has 15 different elements that you change. You change the color, you change the image, you change the, the type yes. font, you change the, you know, the, the flash, whatever shows up. I mean, everything that that you know was different so it was like a completely different experience and yeah they may have liked it and could have even liked it for the wrong reasons <laughs> i right. liked it because it was pretty i didn't like it because yep. it was utilitarian i liked it because it was pretty but you're i'm just it's not going to convert any better i just liked it better <laughs> i'm going to stay well, on there because you have puppy pictures you know or something so exactly and i'll share let me just share a story this is actually um one of the very exciting experiences i had um in in my career. So we had a client that came to us that had spent about $350,000 on a new site design. And um, they had based their entire site design off of a concept, which was, we get a lot of traffic from Instagram. So let's design our new site to look kind of like Instagram. Hmm. So on mobile, you'll scroll and scroll and scroll. And there's just products. I mean, this client sold a lot of different types of products. Yeah. So let's just give them tons of selections, right? The idea makes sense, except that the two don't actually follow, right? This is like a slippery slope. Like because people want one thing, they also want this other thing. Exactly. Um, because people are coming from Instagram, they want something that looks like Instagram. So they spend a bunch of money on this new site design, and they launch it, and nothing happens. Mm. Conversion rates don't go up. They don't go down. They don't generate more revenue or less. So, I mean, it's not the worst-case scenario, but it's a pretty bad scenario when you spent that much yep. money on site design, yep. right? Because it's not neutral. You've lost $350,000. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And so then they want to go, well, why did this happen? We have this completely new design. Something should have happened. And so one of the first things that we did is we wanted to figure out, well, well, what do people actually want on the site? Do they want all these options or not? That's the first question that we asked, specifically on the homepage. When somebody comes to your homepage, do they want a lot of products or not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very basic business question. Yeah. So what we did was we, we created eight different versions of their homepage and we removed, we systematically removed sections of products. So some of our variations had very few products. Some of them had more. We, you know, we just had a bunch of different options out of those eight different versions of their homepage. Six of them increased conversion rates and we increased revenue by like $25,000 in one week just from removing stuff from the site. And so, again, what this did is it started to open up our minds and say, okay, well, now we've found one thing 
we found that customers don't want a lot of products. Right. So the next logical step is, okay, well, if they don't want a lot, then which products do they want? Right now, it starts to lead us down this very logical and very data-driven rabbit hole of finding out what our customers actually want. But when, again, when you do a whole site redesign and it's like flat, it's like, yep. well, they hate the new design or maybe they really like some aspects and they hate other aspects. Right. Let's start to dig in and figure right. out. I mean, I love, I love what you're, and I, I, I want to kind of circle, circle back and kind of shift the focus here a little bit and, and just really drill down a little more in, into Chris Daly. But um, one thing that you mentioned about that, that uh, early is, you know, when you were, you said you had your kind of your performance review at your, at your first company. And so what's interesting is that I really love the idea that, of focusing on conversion versus like just traffic. Because to me, conversion is a is a that's a revenue metric. Yes. Traffic is more of a vanity metric. You know, yep. it's it's like, you know, I have five hundred thousand followers on Instagram, but you know, I'm making ten bucks a month, you know, or something like that. <laughs> yep. Versus, I have five thousand followers on Instagram, but they are they are raving fans, and I'm making yes. you know thirty grand a month, you know, based or, or whatever it is. So, I I mean, I really appreciate the shift that you you talked about and. And that's that's not only true in in what you're doing, but also I think is very true in in virtually anything that all of our that our audience would be involved in is, you know, what are the activities that are going to drive revenue versus just drive activity or noise? Exactly. exactly. And so so let's let's touch on that just a little bit. So when you when you shifted like this, this company example you just gave, you know, spent three hundred fifty thousand on the website came to you guys and you guys said, Hey, you know, let, let's, let's do some testing. That was an easy invoice. If I'm that company, that's an easy invoice for me to receive. If you send it to me and say, Hey, we kicked up your, your conversion by 15% or, or whatever, because yep. we drilled down and figured out exactly what your customers want, yep. you know? So, um, how, what was the response? I mean, the company had to be thrilled. Oh, they've, so they are thrilled and they're still a client. Actually, they've been a client for about a year and a half now. And so, um, that's been one of the great, uh, we, we've got quite a few clients like that. And that kind of brings me back to one of the things that I have fallen in love with about what I do now is it allows me to build what, what we call disruptive results based relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, we, because if you have a client, a relationship with a client, whether it is a an agency relationship or whether you have a customer that's buying products from you or whatever it is, um, just having a relationship with someone alone um, is great, but that's not going to guarantee that they're going to stay a, a customer. Right. Right. Just having results alone without a great relationship right. does also doesn't guarantee. I mean, we we've had a lot of clients that have stopped working with us when we've generated great results because we they don't have any kind of real connection with yeah, us. Yeah. Um so it's more so, transactional. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so kind of that that intersection between results and relationships um to me is what is what gets me really excited uh every day. Um and so yeah, I mean uh, when when we have that in place, when we have um in fact, I'll I'll tell you a, a story about a great relationship that came about, a great results-based relationship that came about. This kind of goes back to this whole serendipity thing of, of being in the right place at the right time. But so I, I went on a podcast probably three or four years ago mm -hmm. that I had never heard of before. 
um, this is when I had very first started my company. My first company is called Daily Conversion. And I was trying to figure out how do I get new clients? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, that's the first question that, that most entrepreneurs are going right. to ask themselves is like, well, how do I make money? And so one one pathway to, to getting in front of a lot of people was speaking at conferences. It was like, okay, well, I need to speak at a conference. So I submitted a pitch to speak at a conference. Um, the guy who ran the conference responded and said, well, first you got to be on my podcast. So I, I went on his podcast almost like begrudgingly, like, okay, fine. If that's, <laughs> if that's what I have to do to get to your conference, then I'll do it. So I went on his podcast. After the conversation, he said, I think what you do is very interesting. I don't think it's the right fit for my conference. Mm. And so I felt like it was a total waste of time. Yeah. Um, I just had totally the wrong – I had this very selfish mentality of what's in it for me. So two months go by, and then out of the blue, uh, Michael Stelzner, who who owns Social Media yeah. Examiner, yeah. reaches out. And he said, hey, I heard you on this podcast. And I was like, what? Um, people actually listen to that <laughs> podcast? Uh, he said, I heard you on this podcast, and I was very interested in what you do. Um, I'd love to chat. So we jumped on a call, and, and he said – I would love, he's like, I'm fascinated in A-B testing. I'd love to work with you. What can I do for you in return? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, well, working with me alone is doing something for me. Uh, you know, and, I, and, and Mike Stelzner is now a very good friend of mine. Um, but I was just blown away. I'm like, well, what can you do for me? I don't know. And, and he said, well, it seems like you're interested in speaking at conferences. I speak a lot. Yeah, I'd love does. to coach you. Um, and so he kind of took me on as a, as a speaking protege which was very gracious of him, and I'm still grateful to him to this day. But so um, so first, I was on this podcast. I didn't think anything was going to come of it. I started out with this very selfish hmm. perspective. Now I'm interacting with this very selfless guy yeah. who is really just trying to help me out and, and is also helping himself out by learning about A-B testing. So we started running a couple tests on Social Media Examiner, saw a tremendous success, and then he said, hey, I'd love to have you come on my podcast to discuss these tests. That's so a game changer. On. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, a game he, changer. He has a huge, huge following yeah. there. And then after the podcast, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm really um, loving this, you know, this kind of results relationship. Would you present on some of this at my conference at Social Media Marketing World? So he said, no, course. I'm holding out for this other guy's conference. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I said, of course. So I went and spoke. This was this was two years ago, mm -hmm. 2017. Not two years ago, a year ago. 2017's yeah. conference. Um, that was my first year speaking at Social Media Marketing World. So I went and spoke. Um, and and after after I had spoken, I think it was actually a day later, I spoke on the first day because I did a, a 90 minute workshop. Um, I bumped into just in the halls, I bumped into somebody that had been in my session. Um, and and he said, hey, that was some pretty cool stuff that you, uh, that you presented on. Um, I'd love to talk more. So I said, of course, I'd love to chat. Um, <laughs> and 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 it led to it led to this business relationship. Um, and and this a totally separate company. They they've now been a client for we're going on two years here. Wow. Um, and we've become a real strategic partner for their business, mm -hmm. almost to the point where they they almost don't want to do anything without testing it first. Yeah. Um, but it all you know if I if I go back, it all started out with, um, with a relationship with Mike Stelzner that he approached from a very selfless perspective. Yep. Um, 
and and that that led into what has now turned into several business relationships um, that that are very close friends of mine to this day. But so this has been something that's been like a major mental shift for me is getting out of this like what's in it for me perspective sure. and going into relationships with let's figure out how we can help each other out. Mm. Like what what can I do for you? What can you you know like instead of what can you do for me? How can I help you? Those are the business relationships that become the best for me and have also resulted in the longest lasting client relationships. And I, I think people can see through that. I really do. I, I think, you know, people aren't stupid. I mean, there's a there's a, a moment when you're you're in a relationship, you're on dialogue and you're going, you know, this guy is just looking past me. You know, uh, we're 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 talking, but we're not we're not really conversing. Connecting. You know, yeah. we're not connecting here. So. Let's uh, let's let's take a little shift here, and I want to drill a little bit down on more on the the business side of things. So, um, I mean, it sounds like all rainbows and ponies, so for rainbows and you know, <laughs> unicorns or whatever, as the saying goes, so far. But tell me, what would you say would be like one or two pain points that that you you struggle with daily? Just you know, in running uh, disruptive advertising, what what are a couple of obstacles that you think come up on a fairly regular basis that that uh, you just continually say, I just keep running into these hurdles? Yeah. So, and there there's a couple, and and they have changed over time. Sure. Um, you know, uh, we talk a lot about here. Um, there's this kind of idea in your head, and whether you're whether it's you're starting a business and you think, well, when I make this much revenue then yeah. I'll then I'll have it made right. like then life will get easy uh, or if you're working at a full-time job it's like you know once I get this promotion or yeah. once I'm making this much or whatever it is it's like you have this idea that things will get easy at a certain point and and the truth is if you're really progressing as an individual things should never get easy yeah uh, because challenges are I feel like what really propel us into growth you know what what led to my career change that has now become probably the best business decision I've ever made was I was driving a bunch of traffic and it wasn't converting like that's a major mm. problem um, so anyways to answer your question directly when I first started my company some of my first challenges were because I was running an agency that was largely based on my expertise I could not step away from the business yeah. like <laughs> I was the only cog that was running my business, right? right. And so I, I remember actually um, an experience that, that I should remember with fondness, but I just remember some of the struggles. So I went on a trip with my wife to Hawaii, and, uh, and while I'm in Hawaii, I remember being on the beach in Hawaii, getting a call from an upset customer because something wasn't going right, and I was sitting there on the beach trying to figure things out for like an hour or two. Um, and, and, you know, and of course I could have still really enjoyed that trip, but I was so frustrated by that. I'm like, yeah. here I am on vacation. I can't even enjoy my vacation. This sucks. Um, and so, you know, like my first challenge was how do I replace myself essentially? How do I yeah. build a business where I am not the only cog? Um, and that took a long time to really figure out. I mean, mm. it's uh, a lot of business owners never get to that point. Yep. Um, and, and, and that's kind of what led to one of my decisions, which was to merge my company with disruptive advertising. Um, cause I had really figured some business things out. Um, disruptive advertising had yeah, figured exactly. some things out really well. And so we were able to kind of fuse together and, uh, 
and and elevate and both of our companies were elevated as a result. Um, it kind of sounds like the E myth. Yes, you know, the, that's the exactly myth. I what mean, it it's is. it's like you know, how do you work on your business instead of in it? You know, the exactly. whole the whole basic concept. So. I was your classic e-myth entrepreneur. I had technical expertise and I had no clue about starting a business. Mm. Like I, I shouldn't have started a business in the first place. Like I, I shouldn't have because I didn't have any idea what I was getting into. Um, hey, sometimes that's the best way because, I mean, you were obviously, even though you were in struggle mode, you were also in learning mode. Right. So, exactly. I mean, that and that that prepared you to, you know, to bring your skill set and your expertise to the table with disruptive advertising. So it, that's that's probably what's created this this good partnership, you know, yes. that you formed um, there at the, the company. So let's let me go ahead. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just going to say, but that that challenge has kind of changed over time. So as I've as I've built in some redundancy, for lack of a better term, or mm -hmm. or taken most of the actual day to day fulfillment off of my plate, um, we've we've now, you know, now there's a challenge that I face on a daily basis, which is now now that I'm not involved really on a day to day basis, how do we maintain the quality yeah. and the expertise and the experience that people were getting when they were working with me yep. now that they're not. And so that's, that's a constant struggle is how do we scale mm -hmm. and maintain the quality that, that, um, that we have without, cause I mean, anytime you scale, you're bringing on additional people and you're going to lose some of that immediate expertise. And so, um, that, that's been a struggle that we continue to work on, um, figuring out how to solve. That is a great, great question, and and I mean the the um, the e myth. Michael Gerber, you know, he talks about well, you know, work on your business, not in it. Well, the basic assumption is that you can multiply yourself, that you can, yeah. but that's that's much easier said than done, because yes. I mean, it's it's not just your it's nature and nurture. It's not just the way you were you were created, but it's also the way, you know, the things you've learned and the experiences you've had and the, mm -hmm. you know, the failures and everything in the, together in this mosaic, you know, of, yeah. you know th this is who Chris Daly is. This is because it's, he's made up of a million different pieces, you know, all put together to form a, you know, a, a nice puzzle there. But uh, right. I, I love that. I, I, um, I mean, that is a, that's a great question. I'm really anxious to see what, you know, our listeners, uh, from their expertise, how they can speak into that that particular pain point. So, let's let's transition just a little bit about you know get getting really inside your head here and tell me other than I mean this may be your answer Michael Stelzer may be your answer but who's who online really inspires you if you had to pick one person give me one line of why. So one person that I am continually inspired by is Tim Ferriss. Mm. So yeah. um, I love Tim Ferriss. Because he is a constant, he's a human experimenter. He he's somebody certainly. that is, and, and I would call him like a personal, you know, he's like a personal improvement guru. Mm -hmm. And I love his approach to constantly learning and developing and, and trying to make his life more efficient and productive. I sent my wife a, uh, an email today that had a quote that was off of, you know, he does kind of his five, Friday five email list or whatever, you know, the five things he's working on or and. Uh, it was interesting that you you had uh, suggested him because I read that earlier today and, and sent her a quote that he had. He said, "This is the quote I'm pondering right now." So, yeah, I fully well, understand. Is there a is there speaking of quote? Is there a life quote that that you that really drives you that you got you know taped up by your laptop there? And <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's one that I review on an almost daily basis, and that is um, 
to reach a goal you've never before reached, you must do things you've never before done. And that's something that continues to inspire me. Like I said, um, as you push into the unknown, like every time you encounter some new challenge in your life, um, it, it's an opportunity to either grow or shrivel mm-hmm. up and, and isolate and, and shy away from it. And so to me, that, that helps me to remember when I have these challenges where it's like, I don't know what to do. I feel really frustrated. I don't know what to do. I've been sitting here staring at this screen for this whole week, and I still don't know what to do about this. It helps me keep in perspective, and this is this is helping me accomplish some of some that I've never accomplished before. I've never done this thing before. I don't know how to do it, and part of the joy in this journey is is figuring this out. Hmm. Is that is that an original quote, or is that from someone? Uh, it's from someone I'm trying to remember. Um, I don't, I, I think, I think actually, uh, Neil Maxwell, I believe is who said that. Well, I can, I can certainly look it up. I want to make sure that, that, uh, if this is in the show notes that we've given credit where credit's due. So that's great. <laughs> you know, if there's a, if there's one piece of advice that you could give yourself your pre startup self, if you go back to, you know, Right before you started your own kind of SEO company, what would it be, and and what do you think would have would have made compl- all the difference in in the time from between now and then? <laughs> so the the advice I would have given myself is stop playing video games. <laughs> <laughs> and this is uh, this honestly, this kind of goes back to the quote that I just shared. Um, you must do things you've never before done. So. Um, it, it sounds funny, but for a long time, for for uh, the first few years of uh, of my career and, and of starting my company, I had a really hard time just with uncomfortable situations. Mm. Um, and for any entrepreneur that start a business, there's a lot of them. Yeah, like starting a business and being an entrepreneur is sometimes a very lonely and challenging place to be. Yeah. And instead of being okay with those situations, I would kind of self-medicate through things like video games mm. that were really just a way of me trying to escape and, sure. and really just a waste of time. Now, I mean, that's not to say that I think video games are, are a complete waste of time because you know, I still enjoy sitting down occasionally to play video games. But I spent so much time doing that. I spent you know hours per day pl- playing a game on my phone or whatever. Yeah. and. Um, and it was just a huge distraction from, uh, and so I feel like I could have been so much more productive. And and so now I actually have some boundaries for myself in place, uh, and the, and I've actually written these out. I've I've committed to people around this where it's like, I will not play video games until I've taken care of everything else that I need to take care of in a day, mm. until I feel like I'm not using a video game to run and hide from a challenge in my life. Um, and, and I have a list of things that I've committed to myself that I'll do every day to be responsible for myself, be responsible as a father and as a husband and as, a, as an employer. Uh, until I've finished all of those things, I will not play video games. So what that's led to is I play video games maybe twice a month now. Yeah. And, and when I do, I actually enjoy them a lot more because sure. I'm not using it to run away from challenges in my life. So right. that's, that's my advice I give to myself. I love the way you unpack that. I'm... But as you were talking, I'm thinking of that poor, you know, that young kid that plays Fortnite and, 
you know, makes <laughs> half million a month or whatever. Some sure, yeah. You know? So, yeah, there there are always exceptions to the rules, but uh, right. <laughs> well, Chris, it is it has truly been a pleasure to uh, talk to you today, and and I could I could just uh, just leave this this thing running all day long and just continue to ask you questions and pick your brain because I mean you're just you really are a wealth of of information. I think it's very interesting to our to our listeners here at Rising Tide, but. Um, I just want anything else that you just want to, that I haven't asked you about, you just want to wrap up with and then tell people how they can find you online. Yeah. So, um, so I, I get a lot of, you know, a lot of the questions that you asked today, um, are questions that I get fairly often about specifically about AB testing. Mm -hmm. Um, so we actually put together a a guide, like a a starter guide, an AB testing starter guide. Um, for people that are interested in the concept of A-B testing and have never done it before or maybe interested in how to, how to do it a little bit better, um, we put together a free guide that, that uh, the listeners can download at disruptiveadvertising.com slash guide. Um, and like I said, that's a, that's a free download. Um, if you are interested in talking to someone at Disruptive, there's a little box you can check that says, yes, I'm interested. Um, if you just want the guide, you can download that and just don't check the box and we won't harass you. Hey man, that that is great, and I I uh, I will be on that right after we get off the call here. So uh, make great. sure that we that will also be listed in the in the show notes when the episode goes live. And but Chris, thanks again for uh, just taking the time today, and and just like I said, really just kind of unpacking a lot of things that are so pertinent, and so germane to the kind of the entrepreneurial journey. And and it's it's great hearing your story and. Um, I, I love kind of the, the, the way you kind of added some meat to the bones and, and you know, everything that you mentioned, you, there was a story behind it that kind of led you to that point. And, and that, to me, that's, that's where, you know, the information becomes interesting is, is when you really have added that, that extra, you know, kind of oomph behind the things that you were saying. And I just appreciate you taking the time today and just helping, like we say, all boats rise in a rising tide. Chris, thanks again. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. 